Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, my guest is narrator Liam DeCosmo. Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, Liam Thank you, Vivian. I am so excited to be on the show. Uh, this was something that I feel like somebody had half mentioned it on Twitter once, like, oh, you should have this idiot on. And you were like, yeah, we'll get there. And I was like, oh, I'm going to earn my way up to, <laughs> to be able to chat with Viviana just once. Even if it's just one time, that's that's all I want. Oh, see, I, it's never usually one time. Once I have you, and you guys are usually really awesome, um, and I love all of you. So usually I always have you come back either for the the series in June, or we'll do like a year catch up, or depending on what's going on, some other mix and matches. So once you're here, you're family. So I love it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. That's how I found Fash, you know, learned of you was through the Twitter post nice. about, yeah, you should have them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. He just started written narrating. He only has one book. <laughs> yeah. I'm on, right? I'll He's put got... him on my list. If he gets to do book two, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Not flash in the pan. So tell me about the one book you've ever narrated. How was that experience? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you able to get any more books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but for those that are still getting to know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you became a narrator? Absolutely. So um, as you said, my name is Liam DeCosmo. Uh, I am a audiobook narrator specializing mostly in, in romance. Uh, I have been narrating now for just shy of a year. I started in March of, uh, of 2020, just before the world went to shit. So, oh wait, am I allowed to curse on the show? I shall yes, you are. Fuck oh, okay, yeah. All right. oh, I just wanted to make sure. I was like, I oh appreciate man. appreciate that, I, but yeah. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Okay, perfect. So it's... Uh, you know, it's been it's been one hell of a year. Uh, I I really got into narrating uh, because previously I had worked sort of intermittently as a voice actor, uh, mostly due to my best friend and partner in crime, uh, Tim Page, which I know you guys are all familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, he he was making a living as a voice actor, and, and I've been working, um, you know, full time job for years and years now since you know, after him and I stopped doing touring and being in a band and whatnot and actually decided to settle down and get married and have kids and work real people jobs. Uh, I went to work the rat race and he went to actually work the dream jobs. Uh, so he was doing, uh, you know, uh, voiceover work was getting really good work. Like he was on Jimmy Kimmel a bunch of times. He was the voice of the UFC for a little bit, like really good stuff. And he kept kind of pushing me like, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. So when he got into audiobooks, uh, he had sent me like a, a a training course and was like, dude, you're going to be home for six weeks because my daughter had just been born uh, in, uh, uh, or sorry, in October of 2019. And he was like, look, you've got six weeks on family leave. Do this course. I guarantee you're going to love it. So I did the course. And then, you know, it took me a little bit to really be like, all right, do I want to audition? Like, how am I going to get this to work? And uh, he had actually had to turn down a book uh, from somebody he had narrated for previously and had offered up my name. And the guy was like, yeah, if he wants to send me a quick, like, you know, three to five minute read, I'll see if it's something that I like. And that author was Brian O'Sullivan, uh, which my very first book was called Revenge at Sea, which was a murder mystery thriller, uh, which was absolutely right up my alley. I grew up on Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Dick Francis, just, you know, love that style of, of writing, that style of book. So that was the first one I ever 
officially was contracted for. And then the other one was actually screwed by KM Newhold. <laughs> it was the <laughs> second book uh, that I got uh, um, uh, picked for. And obviously that was with the one and only Tim Page. So there was nothing better than the fact that my wife was already proofreading a, a good uh, portion of Tim's books. And now here I was going to do as my second book ever, a male, male romance with my absolute best friend, where we were going to have very awesome sex scenes that she was going to have to proofread, not just one side, but both sides. So literally it's her husband and her husband's best friend fucking each other. And she has to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> absolute dream at that point. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. Um, it just sort of snowballed <laughs> from there uh, where, you know, I started really getting, you know, more and more of the, the, the romance novels, both male, male. I got a menage a trois book, which was really, really awesome to get as well. Uh, and then some, you know, male, female romance, which was a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, I think I'm 30 some odd books in at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm still technically only a part-time narrator. So uh, it's been awesome. It's been a very, very eventful first year. Yeah. So you get home for six weeks to take care of the kid and learn how to be, you know, do the diapers or, you know, with this, then you're like, oh, I'm going to learn how to do an audiobook. Yay. Well, luckily, <laughs> this was, luckily this was our second kids because we have a six-year-old boy as well. Uh, so I, I already had the training wheels kicked off after God. him. Okay. Uh, but it's a whole nother ball game when it's a little girl. Because I was going to say. <laughs> I'm like, the piping is completely different. And like, you know, before I'm just kind of wiping poop out of the, you know, mm -hmm. of my ball, my son's balls, but with a female, it's completely different. So yeah, um, yeah it was a, it was a, a great learning experience experience, but I have the paired set now. So I am super excited. Yeah. No, kids are great. <laughs> Mine are, I do love my kids. I love all kids, but my kids are just a cut above the rest. They are pretty awesome. Well, you're stuck with them forever. So it's good that you like them. I like to think of it more as they're stuck with me forever. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> Mine is 18. So I'm like, ah, okay. It doesn't end at that age either. It continues. <laughs> See, and my mother used to always joke that the way you could tell that Jesus Christ was Irish was because he lived with his parents till he was 33. Oh. So. <laughs> well, Latin's too. Yes. And I was, I mean, I, I moved in and out of my mother's house depending on whether I was on tour or living in an apartment with Tim. Uh, but yeah, I'd say by the time I moved to California, I was 28. So yeah, it's, I, I figure I have my son for at least the next 22 years. So I'll mm -hmm. be okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so your wife has, uh, so she listens just because she's proofing or does she listen to the genre of uh, in, in audiobooks in general because she likes to listen? So a little bit of both. So initially it was funny because the year, I want to say she started proofing the year before I got into audiobooks. So I think she started in 2018, just randomly proofing some books for Tim. And like some of them were Spider-Man books that he was doing for Marvel. You know, others uh, were like motorcycle club books, which were, you know, hot and steamy and very different for her. Uh, so I think it was, she probably wouldn't have chosen to listen to those types of books or read those types of books, but now that she's kind of been forced into uh, proofing them, she actually really enjoys the storylines. Uh, she was a big fan of the first book that I did, The Revenge at Sea, because she legitimately wanted to find out how the book ends. And I thought that was really cool because I kind of thought it was more of a, oh, let me just, you know, listen for my husband fucking mm -hmm. up because here he goes again, changing <laughs> an and to a but. Or a, she figured out that I mispronounced the word especially because I would say especially. Mm. I never realized that was something that I was doing. So uh, nice little things like that where your wife gets to take a dig at you, but uh, <laughs> she really seems to enjoy it. Uh, and 
I want to say her New Year's resolution had been she wanted to read more books and this allowed her to fulfill that resolution. Cool. Yeah, I know sometimes the spouses are like, no, I don't want to hear you do anything. Or they're like, no, that's not the genre that I listen to. So it's always curious and interesting to see that, you know, kind of like relationship in that work area. So that's cool. For sure. And I think with my wife, she kind of already had a taste of it before because, mm -hmm. you know, as I said, Tim and I were in a touring band and that's actually how I met my wife was when we were on tour through California. Uh, so she had listened to me sing both live and on recording and whatnot. So, you know, whether I was, you know, singing specifically about an experience that her and I had, or if I was singing just in generalities, she was kind of already used to that aspect of me. So now mm -hmm. it was just, you know, I removed the sing song form and it's just me, you know, <laughs> blindly, <laughs> blindly stumbling my way through somebody else's book. So it's nice. Yeah. 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 I think the other side too sometimes is that when we're with someone as a partner or even friends, sometimes we don't really stop to think about how they sound. And then some of us go goo goo gaga over your voices, you yeah. know, and, and, yeah. and the other, it's like, you're really going to go goo over him. I mean, I'm married to him. Really? <laughs> yeah. You don't go goo. I'm like, you don't go goo. And like, no, I've been with him for over 20. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're like, I could, I could see how that might be burned out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so how do you prep a book once you've received it and you've been cast for it? Well, I think it kind of depends on the book too. Uh, you know, for a lot of the times, if it's, uh, you know, a solo book, if I'm going to be doing, you know, the entire, um, you know, all 30 some odd chapters by myself, uh, a lot of it, I'll kind of prep a couple chapters at a time, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to do the entire book all at once. And then going back to the beginning, because I like the information to be fresh, um, and I like to to try to make sure that the emotions sort of fit what I'm doing. Uh, when it's a book that I'm that I'm going to co-narrate with somebody else, I'll pretty I'll typically go through the entirety of the book so that way we can coordinate when it comes to character voices, uh, when it comes to how we're going to perform certain scenes. It's you know especially if a scene kind of changes point of view midway through the chapter, uh, just to make sure that there is a consistency in the delivery because the the you know, the pet peeve that I have is when something sounds drastically different, whether it's a character voice or even the pacing that somebody is delivering the lines, you you really want to have that consistency. So the character feels like a real person uh, that you're listening to when they speak. Uh, the the other side of it, I actually recently had done a, a four book series uh, for for um, an author named Only James. I love her. She's, she's absolutely fantastic. But uh, it's male, male romance. And each book has two new characters that all kind of coexist around the other characters. So I had to very uh, specifically develop voices for each one of them, knowing that it wasn't going to just be a throwaway character, that this was going to have to be somebody that I could maintain a character voice throughout the entirety of a book and then also have them pop in sporadically throughout the series. So uh, it, was a, it was a much bigger undertaking than I probably originally thought, but I absolutely loved the end result. That's cool. So how do you go about choosing how these characters are going to sound and their tones when they're like that? Sometimes you, you'll, um, you'll look for cues from the, uh, from the author as well. Uh, um, recently, uh, I just wrapped up on a book where I had started doing a voice for a character. And then later on in the chapters, they described her voice as nasally. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done that initially. So I had to go back and re-record the dialogue from an earlier chapter to make sure that it was going to stay consistent because, you know, you wouldn't want to do a voice that wasn't nasally and then have that read in the book. And they're going, well, that doesn't 
describe how the character sounds. And on the flip side, there was another book I did where one of the male characters was supposed to have like a tiny Tim falsetto, really high voice. And when I did it, it didn't, it didn't sound good. Like when I would go back and listen to it on playback, I was like, that's not enjoyable to listen to. So I toned it down. So it was just higher in my register as opposed to going full on falsetto just for the performance sake, because I don't want someone to listen to the book and be like, Oh, it's really grating. I don't think I can finish this book because I don't know how often this character is going to pop up, <laughs> you know? So it's true. You know, so sometimes it is trial and error. Um, there's times where I'll start somebody's voice and I'll get a couple lines in and I go, no, that doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for the character. And I'll go back and I'll play around with it till I pick up a voice that um, that I do enjoy. I've noticed sometimes, especially with the series, is that you hear this one character who is a throwaway or, you know, sidekick or whatever, and then you don't see them for another five more books. And then all of a sudden they're the hero. Yep. And you're going, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And and that that is always something that could come back and bite you. But for the most part, I feel like, people would almost understand if you made a positional change on that character where you're like, okay, well, they were throwaway in book one. I'm in book five now. Let me give them a voice that is a little bit more presentable and enjoyable for the listener. And not even just for the listener, but for yourself as a narrator to make sure that it's somebody that you want to perform this character. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think something that I've always said is that we have our ears hear differently as far as the tones and things like that. So what, how I hear, cause I, I always think of like, my voice is so bad. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, and, you know, so that's how I hear things versus how someone else is hearing me speak. It's completely different. So that's kind of how I take it when it comes down to the narrators, when it happens like that, that this character in one book sounds completely different than in their main book is being like, I'm just hearing it from a different point of view. For sure. And I think sometimes too, it's, you know, when you're doing, uh, you know, first person point of view on a book and that, per that point of view is going to change each book because it's a new character that's taking the lead. You still want to pretty much present it in your own voice. There might be slight stylistic decisions that you make, whether it's the, the tone or the inflection, um, that kind of varies it a little bit, but for the most part, you still are trying to maintain your, your typical narrator voice, uh, when it's a little bit different when it is third person perspective, uh, which is a good majority of the books I feel like I've done are typically third person, which I enjoy because that way the standard narration is just my speaking voice. And then I can create, you know, des disparate uh, voices for each character. You mentioned earlier that you were in a band and singing. Yes. Have you taken any of that, um, like the rituals as far as warming up your voice into now into narration? Like, do you have a routine that you do? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and it's, it's kind of tough. Cause as I said, I'm, I'm a part-time narrator. So I either, I either have to wake up early before I'm going to start my other job and try to record early in the morning, which can be difficult, right? Because a lot of the time we have a bit more of a huskiness to our voice. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to train out and I'll do vocal warm ups or a little bit of light singing to, you know, kind of loosen and warm up the vocal cords. So that way, by the time I go to jump into the narration, it's not completely different from, you know, if I was recording the night before trying to go to bed and then, you know, on my days off, like obviously I can, you know, put in a good amount of time in the studio, just trying to, um, you know, get through as many chapters as possible, you know, without burning out my voice and without feeling like I'm just running through it without really conveying the emotion or the care and concern that, you know, you'd want to give each individual book. So, uh, yeah, I mean, being a musician and, you know, I've, I've been musically inclined my entire life. My, my mother was our choir director for the church that I grew up at. Um, my father was our, our church organist. So I grew up, 
you know, going to church until I was about 18 and then was kind of like, eh, I'm out of here. And then uh, <laughs> no offense to anybody that is religious. Like, absolutely. If that's your bag, like, that's awesome. Yep. I'm glad that you were able to maintain that faith. Unfortunately, I'm an asshole and I'm just not one of the, the people that was able to hold on to that. So like, thanks. Um, bye. <laughs> right. I, you, know, it, you know, I think di different strokes for different folks, yep. well, quite literally. So I, I think for me, you know, growing up in that, you know, doing musicals, playing in bands, you know, I was, I'm a punk rocker, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've tattoos and crazy hair and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, I grew up in the punk rock scene, you know, listening to bands like Green Day and The Offspring and The Clash and Ramones. And, you know, even before that, I grew up on jazz and Queen was and still is my all-time favorite band. So seeing a singer like Freddie Mercury that has, you know, had talent that just is unparalleled. There's just nobody that will ever be able to achieve the, the greatness that Freddie Mercury was able to bring to, you know, each and every Queen song is, is just... Um, you know, something that I always strived for, but knowing I would never quite be able to get to that level, but still trying to make it my own. And I, I tried to apply that same mentality to when I do audiobooks. Because I'm like you kind of mentioned earlier, we're in our own head. We mm -hmm. have a different feel for the sound of our voice. And I've never actually cared for my speaking voice. I think I'm kind of obnoxious. <laughs> but um, I, I know that it I know that the way that I speak and the fact that I can be very engaging and very uh, welcoming to, to other people, I think that my voice has a very natural, uh, friendly tone to it that I, I think makes it easier to translate that into an audiobook that somebody feels like they're listening to a friend read to them or speak to them as opposed to, you know, some seasoned professional Hollywood actor. Like, you know, I'm sure everybody would love to have Brad Pitt or Ryan Reynolds or somebody read a book to them. Hugh Jackman, right? I think we'd all love Hugh Jackman to read a book to us. Uh, but I think that there's there's somewhat of a pedestal that sometimes we put these people on. And I feel like my voice kind of has that even playing field where I feel familiar to mm -hmm. almost anybody. Yeah, I mean like I was saying before we started officially recording, I was nervous because we've never spoken before like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's a nerd. I'm, you know, I'm going to fuck this up. Um, <laughs> but as soon as we started chit-chatting, I'm like, it was, uh, you know, the voice, but also you do have this energy of like, hey, we've been friends for like years. I'm like, oh yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I strive for that because so much of my life, whether I was working sales positions or, you know, retail, or even just being in a band because you need to convey a certain amount of openness, but still confident, right? You're confident mm -hmm. in what you do, but you want to be open and welcoming to people. Cause you know, whether we were walking the lines at Warp Tour, trying to get people to, you know, stand at our stage and watch our band or, you know, buy a CD in the lines, or, you know, we used to walk the malls, the shopping malls uh, in cities before we would play the show that night and just walk up to kids and go, hey, we're in a band. Here's a pair of headphones. Do you want to listen to us? And, you know, if they liked it, we're like, hey, we're playing a show tonight if you'd like to come out. So we would try to kind of build up an audience for each city that we went to. And, you know, when you put yourself in that, what would typically be a very awkward position so frequently? I mean, we did that for years and years. It makes almost any conversation easy to walk into. Yeah, and that's important, I think, especially even now with social media, where a couple of years ago, we didn't know who the narrators were, we had, didn't have any of that connection. And now, fast forward, and we can DM you if you're on social media, yeah. and things like that, and, and let you know how awesome this book was, and how much we loved you guys and stuff where you guys are more accessible. So I think that's also a perk and a bonus on, on listeners ends. And I hope Agreed. that you guys like that too. Oh, 100%. I mean, when 
you know, Tim and I had started, um, the, you know, the band that we were in, we had started in 2006 and him and I had done bands all the way back into the nineties, not together, but, you know, we'd both been in separate bands and then, you know, our social circle kind of collided and that's how him and I uh, became friends. But it was, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, as you're, uh, how do I put it? You know, like as you're, um, you know, as you've developed as a musician, as you've developed as an individual, once you got to things like MySpace and, you know, eventually Facebook, and I know right, I'm dating myself there. I, Gosh, I, I used to have an account. <laughs> oh, I, I loved MySpace. That's why I, I if, for anybody that follows me on Facebook, they know mm. I almost never post unless it's something that is being simultaneously posted through my Twitter or Instagram because I dislike Facebook. I'm sorry. I have never been a fan of Facebook, but I adored MySpace. I loved the interface. I loved the the people that I was friends with on there. It was just such such an easy platform to use. Uh, so, you know, we, once we had MySpace and then, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, there were so many different ways to connect to people globally, not just on a local level. I loved that. I mean, on the flip side, unfortunately opinions are like assholes everybody has one yep. so you do run into a lot of a lot of negativity but you know you got that block button for a reason if somebody's popping up in your timeline and you don't care for what they're saying go ahead and block them mm -hmm. yeah i just use the, the the ball on my mouse and that's i think that's why it was invented to scroll on by yeah um, <laughs> Because it's true. And I've used that exact same analogy of like, you know, like same thing, like reviews or opinions and like opinions, you know, everybody has one that can, you know, like our assholes. So, yep. yeah. And so there's always good with bad, but, you know, we, I try not to let one bad apple ruin the rest of it. So, no, for sure. I mean, I was just looking at um, some of the comments on one of the books I had done recently. And one person was like, hey, I, I like the narrator, but I didn't like the um, voice that he used for this character. But I know that that is just me and it maybe it works for somebody else. And then I scrolled like two comments down and somebody else was like, I absolutely love this character's voice. It's so sexy. And I was like, even just there, like you can't get caught up on the negativity because you know, for every one negative, there's probably at least two positives. So yeah, but know, that but take, way take it for feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But see, but the way that that was phrased, that's to some extent, you know, cre creative criticism. Oh yeah. Um, and, and so I'm fine with reviews that are like that, that says, Oh, you know, for me, or I wish that they would have, or things like that. It's when they're fucking assholes. So who was it? It was uh, Victoria May on her TikTok, which sharing <laughs> some of the, she re uh, reading her bad reviews. And she mentioned that, you know, she would, this person said, I would rather eat glass and listen to this book again. I'm going, oh. dude, you're a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and I, I have some comments like that. Like, I know one person was like, I hated this character. If it keeps popping up in other books, I probably won't listen. Uh, there was another person that was like, well, I heard he's really new. So I'm sure these are just bad decisions that he's making because he doesn't know better. And I was like, whoa, fuck you. Like, slow, oh, slow down a little bit. Like, yeah, Damn. I'm great, but come on now. But it, like we said, I mean, it's, it's opinion. So mm -hmm. I try not to get hung up on it because I remember way back, um, you know, with Honor Bright, that was the band that Tim and I did. Um, I remember the first full length we put out and I got a, a review that came back that said the, the, the other musicians are trying in vain to make up for the, um, the lack of quality of their lead singer. And it hurt me so bad. Like I literally just sat there like, why the fuck do I still do this? Like, I, obviously I don't sing well. Like if these guys are trying to make up for my lack of ability, then I shouldn't be in this band. Like they're good. Let them find somebody else. And I remember Tim being like, fuck that guy. 
Seriously, <laughs> fuck that guy. He was like, I don't even know who this guy is. This is some asshole writing in a basement. You're really going to get hung up on what this dude thinks? Fuck him. I think your voice is great. And my opinion should matter more than his. And I go, fuck, dude, you're right. And like, <laughs> sometimes you need that person to kind of yes. snap you out of it and be like, look, somebody's going to always have some negative shit to say. And sometimes it's not even about you. Like maybe they're just unhappy yes. or they had a bad day when they happen to write that review. And you just, you take it with a grain of salt and you move on. Yeah. Well, again, opinions are like assholes. We all have one. Yes. Um, but I always say, try to, you know, be constructive in your feedback. And, you know, if you can't say anything nice, shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. My, you know, my, my mother used to say that. She, I think it's from Bambi. where like, if you can't say something nice, shut your fucking mouth. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's nice. It's important things. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, there's enough negativity <laughs> out there. I don't think Bambi said it that way, though, but I'm sure it's the gist of it. <laughs> Well, it was it was Thumper the I, Rabbit. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, Disney movies were very different back in the early days. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to find that copy. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, very different. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we are all suckers when it comes down to audiobooks are the accents. What is your favorite accent to perform? Ooh, so for me, um, you know, I grew up in uh, in uh, the city of Syracuse, which is in upstate New York. For people that are not familiar with New York's geography, Syracuse is about four hours northwest of New York City. Uh, so a lot of people, when they hear you're from New York, they assume, you know, Brooklyn or or even Manhattan or Bronx or something. And, you know, while I can slip into, you know, like a Brooklyn accent or a Bronx accent, you know, especially if I'm going to be Coney Island or Gravesend or something, you know, real deep in the, you know, in the suburbs of five boroughs, you know, that's, that's the type of accent, any New York, it's real easy for us to fall into it. But for me, my hands down favorite accent is, is the Irish lilt. So um, as I said, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, my mother is Irish. Uh, her father, her mother is Irish as well. Um, we all did Irish dancing. So, you know, I grew up around going to, the, you know, feshes. We go to the Iractus, which is a big Irish festival that they have down in New York City in Terrytown. Oh, and I love that accent. I think there's a, there's a certain lilt. There's a certain um, warmth that that voice brings to people. And I think that for the most part, it's tough to do the accent without falling completely into lucky charms. But you still want to have somewhat of that that rhythm, that flow, it's a musicality to the voice that absolutely just warms the heart. I mean, you can say English is the universal language, but I'd say the Irish accent is the language of love. Aww. <laughs> but I do find more recently I have to slip into a Southern accent and I, I cannot do much variance when it comes to a Southern accent. So everything just sounds like Eastern Texas slash Louisiana. Uh, I'm a big, big Gambit fan from the X-Men. Mm -hmm. uh, so every time I go to do my Southern accent, I have to do, there's always more gators in a bayou. And then I can fall into the accent real quickly. So anytime I'm doing someone, whether they're from Georgia or Mississippi or even Virginia, this is the accent that I go with. <laughs> I had to do an entire book where the point of view was a character from Virginia, but that was pretty much his accent because I can't do any other Southern accents. So my apologies in advance <laughs> for anybody that went into that expecting a legitimate Virginian accent. Yeah, I think that sometimes people think when it comes down to like the Southern accents that there's just one. And, we're, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The, they're very different. And people will tell you um, if you did it right or wrong. But that oh. was, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it, and I think it's tough because if you you know, depending on where you want to go with the timber of your voice, like if mm. I'm going to sit down here and try to do that accent, or if I'm going to be up here and do that accent as well, is you know, it almost completely changes the dynamic of where I'm going to be from and who this character is. So when you hear that deep rumbly voice, that's someone you think is probably a bit more brooding, a bit more sexy. Whereas when I talk up here, I'm probably more of a swindler, maybe a bit of a politician, if you will, and more than likely. I'm not the hero of the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow, that's really good. I love your Irish. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. So before I got into narrating, Tim got a book where he had to do an Irish accent. And he sent me phrases he needed me to say in Irish. So that way he could mimic it for the book. Because he does a flawless British accent. I absolutely adore his British accent. And mine always falls into Irish. So anytime I'm trying to do a British voice, I always have to redo the line to try to maintain that specific accent. Mm -hmm. But the Irish one, I can fall into it so easily. I love that accent. Yeah, usually when people say like, oh, what's your favorite? People tend to go for the British. And I always like, I really like Irish, <laughs> Scottish, yeah. and then like British. <laughs> in yeah. That order. Well, and, it's, and even with like a British accent, like what you were saying with the Southern accent, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's British or Irish, it's so different depending on regionality. Yes. So if you, you know, even, even within the same city, like an Eastern London accent is vastly different than a Northern London accent. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to like Manchester or Liverpool, you know, or you're going over into Wales or like you said, up into Scotland, like it, such differences in the accents. I really, that's something that I've been trying to work on is uh, be more regional with the mm -hmm. dialect, you know, same thing with Irish. I can typically do like a Cork accent. I can do a Galway accent and I can do a, a Dublin accent, like South Dublin, not North Dublin. Uh, and it's, you know, I think those are the kind of things that as you continue to develop and hone your craft, th those, those little nuances are the things you pay attention to because you mm -hmm. just want to be better than you were on the book before. Yeah. And I think too, it depends on as a listener, like I can tell certain regions when it comes down to like the British or the act or the Irish, um, but never been there so it's one of those <laughs> where i'm like oh it's, it's the accent and swoon happens so it's fine but it's also where you hear like well i'm irish i mean that doesn't sound like we are you know i, I see those reviews and i'm going it's okay there's more than one you know yeah he sounded oh, yeah. good stop <laughs> well, oh for sure and and it's also the same thing like when you hear somebody from england or ireland doing an american accent and there'll be certain words that they say that you're just like oh that's not typically how we say it mm -hmm. but you understand you know it's 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 a difference. My yeah. wife picks on me because I say adult instead of adult. And I say advertisement instead of advertisement. But where I grew up, like, you know, we're kind of used to saying it a certain way because we have so much of that Irish influence. But then it's funny because she'll say it that way every now and again, because she's been around me for so many years. So <laughs> I, I love it. It's just, you almost create your own accent depending on what you're used to saying. Yes, exactly. So on the flip side, of your favorite what's your hardest to perform oh i actually lost a book because i couldn't keep i uh, couldn't maintain a british accent so early days um i got booked for uh the a male male romance and the book was hilarious it was a very funny very awesome book i was very excited to work on it um but when i went to send my first 15 he was like hey can you do that british voice but do it a little bit more like hugh grant so I was watching all these videos of Hugh Grant trying to really mimic the accent. And I think I gave it like three or four goes. And he finally was like, hey, you know, I appreciate that you've done all that work, but it just doesn't sound right for me. And I was like, I mean, I was crushed. It sucked because it was so early in my career. 
Um, but I also understood like he had a very specific voice in mind and unfortunately mine just wasn't it. So, uh, the British accent would definitely be something. And it's more of the, um, uh, what is it like the Queens British, you know, mm -hmm. like the, uh, RP Royal pronunciation. Yep. That's what I really need to work on. Like I can, I could fake my way through like a East London, Essex Cockney accent. Um, but you know, most of the other areas of England, I really need to buckle down and get that a bit more, uh, tidied up. Yeah. Well, it's a great world we live in where everything's global and we can Google it or YouTube yes. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's the only reason YouTube exists anymore. Yes. I mean, the things that you learn, I know, you know, self-taught on a lot of different things. And I'm like, oh, okay. And even with this podcast, I'm like, how do I start one? I'm going to Google it. Yeah. I learned I learned how to replace a toilet by doing oh. by using Google. So oh, you can, light switch. <laughs> yes, it can be done. Yes, it can. Um, but yeah, those are always fun. Romance is almost like an umbrella term with the subgenres underneath it, with the difference when it comes down to you know paranormal, contemporary, and stuff like that. What is your favorite subgenre of romance to perform? So this is actually going to be kind of funny, but um, I actually really, really like the male, male erotic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, for me, it's, it's obviously quite a bit easier because typically those books are, are male dominated, you know, across all the, the characterization. So it's, it's easier for me to create different characters, uh, typically, you know, just using uh, different pacing or um, certain um, pentameter to the way that the, um, that the voice is being utilized. Sometimes it's even whether it's nasally or whether it's back of the throat and just trying to find a way to define each character. Uh, I'm kind of a one trick pony when it comes to females. <laughs> so when I have to do, you know, a lot of female voices within a book, uh, sometimes the certain voices can get a little redundant. So I try, you know, to go a little bit breathier or go a little bit higher in my register or slow the voice down just to give it enough of a difference from the other characters that people know who's talking, especially when it's one female talking to another female and really making sure that it sounds specific for each character. Uh, but I, I, that, that might be because I've gotten a lot of those books uh, so far in my career. So maybe that's why I enjoy them because it is that it's nice to have that consistency of work. Um, my, my preference would definitely be like murder mystery, like thrillers. Uh, as I said before, you know, Sherlock Holmes, Dick Francis books, um, which if people aren't familiar with him, he writes, um, he's a former jockey and all of his books are murder mystery books involving horse racing in one way, shape or form. <laughs> and you wouldn't think you'd be able to use that same subject matter and keep it interesting, but he absolutely does. He is such a fantastic author. Um, and my other, um, other big ones would probably be sci-fi. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I do like the sci-fi fantasy stuff. Um, Stephen King's Dark Tower series is one of my favorite series, uh, as well as um, Altered Carbon, which was recently turned into a Netflix television yes. show. Uh, but I, I had read the the original book and uh, absolutely loved it. Loved the subject matter, loved the, the sci-fi functionality of it, the mystery, the twists and turns. I mean, I would love to do more books like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I did not know that you were that versatile as far as the different genres. That's yeah, cool. It's 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 been really fun. I actually recently uh was just booked for a a book that is a romance novel that is fantasy. And that's kind of new for me. I'm really excited to dive into that one. Well, that's one of the reasons why I love romance, is because you can basically put any 
genre, you know, spin on it. It can be, you know, epic, it could be erotica, it could be a murder mystery, as long as the romance is the main focus. And there's just so many options out there, you know, oh. something for everybody. Oh, 100%. And I, I I think that that's probably something that I wasn't super familiar with prior to being a narrator, which mm -hmm. my eyes have are wide open now, just knowing that there's so much potential out there. And these authors are absolutely pushing the limit of what can be done. And I, I applaud that people take the chances that they do, not just to write the book, but then taking chances on narrators like me to give me the platform, give me the opportunity to bring those characters to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, again, it's my favorite to to listen and, and read originally, because uh, I'm like 100% audiobook now. <laughs> so, but it's again, you can find almost anything, including even YA and, and middle grade, you know, not so much middle grade, but YA and young adults, which that was always a new term for me still, like new adult, does that mean there's a middle adults and a vintage and antique adult um, right. as, <laughs> as well? But yeah, is there a genre that you have yet to narrate that you'd like to? I haven't done children's books mm. and I, that probably sounds a little bit weird for somebody that has made most of their career out of um, erotic and sexuality, but um, I would actually really like to do children's books. When I was younger, one of my favorite books was the Westing game and something like that, where it is sort of this young adult, um, you know, just, uh, you know, fun kind of mystery, but you know, it's, it, it's still an enjoyable read. That kind of stuff is so much fun. And as I, you know, uh, I think you and I were talking earlier, I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old. So I love reading books to them. I mean, I was reading uh, Chronicles of Narnia to my son and, you know, just things like that where I get to do these voices and it's, you know, something that's for kids where they'll grow up listening to someone like me being able to narrate and kind of associate my voice with those types of characters. I, I would love that kind of opportunity. Well, we put it out there now. So yeah, we'll, yeah, it's awesome. We'll see. Um, and then you have to come back and say, hey, we got the book. <laughs> right? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. What do you love most about narrating audiobooks? Hmm, I think for me, it's it's just being able to be simultaneously myself and the author, uh, uh, you know, all in one go. You know, when I when I'm sitting here after I've, you know, done my prep and I've created these characters, you know, there'll be certain scenes that you almost have to take a break, whether it's because the scene was so hilarious that like you get the giggles and you're just trying to mm -hmm. calm down. Or there was another another scene that I had done uh, for that that four book series where uh, there, there was a scene where um, the, the, the mother of a child actor gets some very bad news. So I'm, you know, doing the, the, the mother's voice. And I'm getting choked up, you know, because I want to convey properly the emotion. But even when I had to switch back to the other character that was talking to her, I had to stop and like compose myself to be able to get completely through that scene, you know, especially considering the subject matter involving a younger child, you know, and me having children, it was hard for that not to resonate with me completely. And I love that. I love those moments where you get completely lost in a book. Uh, and you and you weren't even expecting it. It just almost completely catches you off guard. So I think that's probably my favorite part about all this is being able to bring these characters to life, immerse yourself in these stories, uh, and hopefully present them in a way that other people feel the same way you do. 
I'm not a crier when I listen to or read books, but when I do, it's like, oh, that was a good one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wasn't a crier until I had kids. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Uh, yeah. The thing they do for, you know, to parent, man. Um, oh, I, saw, I, saw, <laughs> I saw a Disney commercial. This was right after my son was born. There was a Disney commercial where there's a, a family that takes their daughter to Disney and she's uh, she's deaf. And she goes up and like, you know, they're not expecting, you know, any of the characters to be able to communicate with her or right. anything. So they go to like tell the character that she's deaf and like Minnie Mouse starts signing to her and Tinkerbell starts signing to her. And I just started bawling. And yeah. my wife was upstairs and she looks out of the stairs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the Disney commercial was so cute. Like I was just, it was crazy. I yeah. that, that, and then I cried at the end of Black Panther. That uh -huh. was, uh. Yeah, those are like the two times I think in the t 10 plus years my wife and I have been together that mm -hmm. she's seen me cry. So pretty intense. Didn't cry at my children's births. Didn't cry at my wedding. But yeah, cried cried at the end of Black Panther. Black Panther. So yeah. that tells you who I am. <laughs> we all have our, you know, sensitivities. Hey, and, man, representation know. matters. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> exa well, exactly. Then that's one that, you know, I mean, it was very moving for me as well um, for that movie. But I mean, there's also the moments too that I'm seeing a commercial and it just, it just hits a different way. And I'm going, Oh, oh God, there are the tears. Oh, um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Folgers. I'm like, damn it. Folgers. <laughs> oh, is it the commercial where the, the girl goes to get in the shower and her father-in-law's there and they all pop up and they're singing about Folgers in your cup. No, no, not that no, one. Not that one no. Oh, okay. Maybe that's just <laughs> my bad. Oh, goodness. Well, you were talking about um, not only crying, but also busting out laughing. Do you record and keep your bloopers? Oh, okay. So before I converted to punch and roll, uh, which, ba you know, basically you stop, it goes back eight seconds, and then it kind of picks up where wherever you left off on your mistake. Previously, I would just snap my fingers if I made a mistake. So that way I would go back through and I would cut out whatever was um, you know, whatever the mistake was, and I would create a blooper reel. So I did that early on, but since I transitioned to punch and roll, I really haven't done that anymore, but I kind of feel like I need to just because a lot of my bloopers are, at least to me, they're really funny. Mm -hmm. And even if it's only me and my wife that listen to them, I, I still think they'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I love listening to it um, and they're always fun, but I also think it kind of brings back that, oh yeah, they're human. So if I fuck oh, up, it's sure. fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And honestly, a lot of the bloopers too are just like a burp or a fart in the booth and you're just like, oh man, or like you ate and your stomach gurgles and you're like, mm -hmm. that was audible. I know that came across on the vehicle. <laughs> Yeah, well, the reactions too, I think is something like relatable. And because we listen to these books, and you're all hot and steamy and being the alpha and in that moment, and then all of a sudden, you know, the burping or the farting goes, Oh, that's right. You are a normal guy. Got it. Yeah. Well, and I almost, I almost want that to be written into like the love scene anyways, because that's so much more realistic where it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're going down on each other and one of them farts, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, they're laying down on the hardwood floor. One of them goes to sit up and their back makes that farting noise because mm -hmm. of the sweat on the floor. Like yep. that's the kind of stuff that you're like, oh, that's so real. Like that's the stuff that happens. Yes, that is true. Yeah. But then again, it's a whole fantasy thing. And I think that's the one they say it's an escape. I would find that hilarious. Um, but also my husband is one that would bust out laughing if there was a fart joke or a noise or something like that. And yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I live this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's not. 
Um, <laughs> Let, let's not do that one. No, there was um, the the sequel to to um, uh, Cocky that I had done, which was called Nailed. Uh, my character is kind of a practical joker in that book. And this is one that I did with Tim Page. And there was just one scene when they get a, a dog and he just, he, the things that he says, it's so stupid. I could not make it through the chapter. I literally had to stop and come back to it the next day. Cause it was just, I, I had a bad giggle fit and I could not get over it. Well, see, the thing is like when it comes, I mean, I know a lot of the books are dual, so you're not, you know, it's not a duet where the two of you are at least via Zoom nowadays yeah. at the same time. But I can only imagine the 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 giggles and the busting of laughing having you and Tim do oh, a book that's sure. duets. Oh, my God. It, it'll be uh, <laughs> where one of us will send a text and be like, hey, dude, enjoy that next chapter because like we already know what's coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> Especially if at the end of my chapter, it's like teeing up the sex scene. And I'm like, hey, buddy, we're in the shower this time. <laughs> Just to see how he responds. It's great. Oh, goodness. To pick up your phone. That would be hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, well, because Tim and I will do a combination of texting and then also like audio messages. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll send little audio clips back and forth to each other as well, especially if uh, we're going to say a whole lot of stuff that we don't want to take the time to type out. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It in if you could sit inside our well, if you listen to freaking Love Gods, you could sit inside yes. Tim in my mind for a good thirty some odd minutes, and you everybody know anybody that listens to that show knows that him and I are idiots, but we're lovable. We're lovable idiots. I don't call you guys idiots. I think these guys are who you know oh, down to earth guys. Yeah, we refer to ourselves as idiots. Yes. We're self proclaimed idiots. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you do. So that was one of the questions I had is, so you're doing, you, you work the, the job, you have the part-time narrator gig and family man and, you know, life in general. And all of a sudden, boom, let's do a podcast. How did that come about with Tim? Ooh, okay. So Tim and I, <laughs> I originally got into, before getting into voiceover or any of that stuff, uh, Tim and I had a podcast together called, I can't believe you haven't seen that. And this was back in 2013 where, uh, for as long as him and I have been friends, which it's like 20 years now that him and I have been best friends, uh, he had he had never seen Star Wars. And that was like a big like barrier because I'm, I, I'm a self-proclaimed Star Wars fanatic. So for him to not see Star Wars, I was like, how do you exist? How do people exist and they haven't seen Star Wars? And he was like, I'm going to refuse to see it just to bug you. And I, it got to the point where I go, it doesn't even bug me. I just look at you like an, you're an idiot. Like you're missing out on one of the greatest franchises of all time willingly. And that's your choice, dude. Like you do you. Uh, and it wasn't until I moved to California that he was like, oh, I should probably watch these movies. So he watched the original trilogy, like all in the same weekend. It was like, dude, these movies were so good. So that was the impetus behind doing i can't believe you haven't seen that so each of us would pick a movie that we've never seen that the other one had seen and then we would review that movie on the podcast and i think we got like five episodes in maybe six episodes and then stopped like we just could not find the time to keep going with it Uh, fast forward maybe two years later i was like well i still want a podcast but i know that tim's too busy so what if I did a podcast with somebody else and then Tim can pop on from time to time? That would be cool. So I started doing a podcast with a friend of mine and then maybe like six months in, he just couldn't commit to the time. So I coerced my wife into jumping on the show. At first it was just like a, Hey, fill in for this episode because the other guy can't make it. And she was like, okay, whatever. And then she got on and was like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun. I, I think I want to do this. And I go, then let's do it. So her and I have been doing that since 2015. Um, doing a, it's a Star Wars, Disney, Marvel, Pixar podcast. We also talk about like other movies and entertainment and music and just things that are going on in our family life. It's almost like an audio history 
for our children to listen to later on <laughs> where they can go and listen to like even for them like our son would pop on the show every now and again so you can listen to him Aww. when he's like two three years old it's really it's a lot of fun so we've done that now so it's called hilt radio which hilt is here you leave today um so we've done that since 2015 and then i also do a West Ham United podcast with a friend of mine here in Fresno, California, uh, because I'm a big, big uh, football or soccer here in the States um, fan for the, the team West Ham United. So now that Tim and I do the Love Gods, which is actually the third podcast that him and I have, have, have started to do, because we had another podcast called This Story Sucks. <laughs> and the first episode we ever did, we ended up having to delete it because there was the potential that he was going to miss out on a book because of the stuff we talked about on the show. Oh boy. And we were like, well, we're probably just going to get ourselves in hot water. So maybe we don't keep doing this particular show. And then he was doing a book. Oh, I can't remember what it was called either, but it was basically the premise of the love gods was this book where it's a, a, a like a, a love doctor doing a podcast and he was like, Oh, we should do this. And I was like, and we can do it because we're terrible at giving advice. <laughs> and that was literally the idea for the show. And he was like, Oh, we should come up with a really corny name. And I go, the love gods. And he goes, Oh, that'll be good. That we'll put that on the list. And I go, no dude, that is the list. The love gods. That's, that's the name of the show. Do or die. That's it. And he goes, <laughs> all right, I'm in. And now we're 10 episodes in already. And yes, crazy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, it, this whole thing has been, I love your podcast and it's a, a huge mix of, you know, just the two guys hanging out and almost like you're just hanging out with friends. And also the whole premise is, is that, you know, you answer li uh, listeners submitted questions about love, sex and romance with no, you know, just shooting the shit all at the same time. Yeah. With but, the with only real world experience, no yeah. actual training or yes. coaching, just two idiots going, well, one time at band camp, you know, like, <laughs> bad news. Which is awesome too, because you actually have that disclaimer in, in, in every uh, intro is like, if you really need help though, call someone that's a professional. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And the goal is eventually to have some people that are professionals on yeah. the show. Uh, but, you know, it, it's all in good fun. And mm -hmm. some people have written back to us and said that they did take our advice and it actually played out to the positive, which has been great. I actually recently got one that was like, Hey, you guys suggested trying this. And we, tr my husband and I tried it and it didn't work. And I was like, Oh, well that's good too. Like at least you gave it a go. Well, I think it's life experiences, you know, you, you, you're married, you've had, you know, all these years together. And, and before that you actually had a life. Um, and the same thing with him, things that we've learned as we've gotten older, what works, what doesn't. And again, it's romance. We also learn a lot from that for the books. Um, did not know that you have certain kinks because until you read that one book about BDSM, great. Good to know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't know certain things existed till I performed certain books. And I go, yeah. oh, that's a thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And so I know that you're just, you just finished your 10 episode. And now I know why you guys were saying, oh, it's like a huge milestone. And this and that. I'm going, well, it's, it's awesome. I think anytime that you do an episode, it's a milestone because it's a lot of work. Yes. Um, I love doing the podcast, but it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you guys now, I guess it makes sense to me because you guys have had all these other ones in the past. Why it's like, oh, look, we get it to 10. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because like I said, the first one mm -hmm. only was like five or six episodes. The yes. second one was two. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we haven't had a good track record. So the fact that this one lasted 10 already, mm -hmm. that's massive. Yeah. And I also love the website. Uh, <laughs> Thank <you>. Link. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, we were, we couldn't get .com because some band that hasn't existed for like 15 years still mm -hmm. has it. 
So he was like, well, these are the other dot somethings that we can have. And one of them was LOL. And I go, dude, how do we not take dot LOL? Like, that's perfect. Yeah. I didn't know LOL was a thing either. I usually like dot com, dot net. There's a yep, couple of other org. ones. Yes, exactly. I didn't like, like, is that serious? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's real. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we were so excited. It's perfect, though. It's completely on brand. <laughs> yeah. Right. That way, people know exactly what they're getting themselves mm-hmm. into. Yeah. But the other thing to love about your podcast is that it's not just you and Tim, you know, talking, you're bringing in other people and it's, you know, it's, you know, other narrators. I think you also plan on having other authors and, and stuff like that. And just having these conversations about just listening to the, the, the questions that are being submitted and then kind of going off on different conversations as it goes. Very conversational. You just sit there and you're going, oh yeah, it's almost like eavesdropping at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we like we like to think where it was like Tim and I basically went and sat down on either side of you at a at a at mm-hmm. the bar or in a booth, and we just started having this conversation. And now you're like, well, they've boxed me in, so I can't leave. I might as well <laughs> join in and enjoy it. Yes, not so much that I feel like I have to stick around, but it it does really that's a, a great analogy. It feels like you're just hanging out in that area where you and Tim are talking on either side, and I'm going, no, really? Oh, ooh, oh, okay, great. Oh, wow. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. This is insanity. And we're like, yes. I know. <laughs> if you think that shit was crazy, wait till I tell you what happened next. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> and then he breaks into the Irish accent. Damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. And that's definitely something. If you guys have not checked out the uh, the Love Gods podcast, you need to. It's it's fun. It's hilarious. And you actually learn a few things here and there, even if it's no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yes. Even if it's what not to do, we yes. will help you avoid those pitfalls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it can work out. You never know. So check them out. They do have um, forms that you can fill out to submit your questions. And you guys also have this cool thing where you can do a voice, almost like a voice note. Yes. So that is so Love cool. That. Yeah, yeah, that was that was completely Tim's idea. Tim is the wizard behind. He is the the wizard behind the curtain. He absolutely makes all the magic happen for that one, which is great because I have to do that for the other two podcasts that mm-hmm. I do. So it's nice to kind of, you know, just record and then send my shit to him and go, "All right, buddy, have at it." <laughs> Here you go. There's more. Yeah, but I love that. I had to sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start. That. I'm like, nah, I'll see if someone else answers some, you know, send submits that question and stuff like that. But oh, one day no, you have to, you have to at least submit one. Like that yeah. is that is clutch. Mm-hmm. No, y'all see, it's like I've only like I I've met and hung out with like Tim, you know, virtually, um, and had him on the podcast too. So it's like I always knew one of you guys, and now I know two. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, I mean, you know me now, but yeah, honestly, even if it's because a lot of people we've had on the show. Um, they've either only met one of us or the other. So it's mm-hmm. kind of been nice where they pop on and they're like, oh, you're a new person. Like, yes. cool. I think I think the only person we've had on that both of us knew beforehand was Avery Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, with Desiree, I knew, Tim knew of Desiree. I knew Desiree because I had uh, done a two book series with her. Mm-hmm. And she was actually absolutely a dream to work with. I freaking love Desiree Ketchum. Like, yeah, if, I love her too. Had her oh, recently she, on the podcast. Oh, you guys oh, had yeah, yeah, episode eight. Yeah, she was yeah. on. Oh my God. <laughs> She's so freaking good. Um, but yeah, she was a dream to work with. And the author, uh, Tina Geffert, who we did the uh, train wreck and car crash for, uh, probably some of my favorite books that I've ever done. Uh, but yeah, it's like we've had Zoom chats where it's Tina, me and Des, like all just chatting. And Tina's Australian. 
So oh, like, wow. <laughs> it's weird because like Des is on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. Tina's in freaking Australia. So she's always like a day ahead of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's yeah. it's awesome them because I freaking love those girls. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too that I love about having these conversations, whether it's on mine or listening to yours, is that you get to know these individuals and then you're like, oh, what have they narrated if you've never listened to them? Yeah. You know? And so you're going, oh yeah, because you know, you follow and then you start following them on, on the social medias and you're like, yay. Um, you know, like Desiree had the, the cats and like, well, I have cats, but her cats are funny. One of them has crisscrossed eyes, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. A nice boss-eyed cat. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's and it's cool too because it's it's kind of mutually uh, mutually beneficial, right? So when we have somebody like Desiree Ketchum or Avery Reed, or we recently had um, Maxine Mitchell on, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When somebody like that pops on, you know, obviously our listeners get a chance to listen to them speak and go, "Oh, I love their voice. I love their their personality, their character. Mm-hmm. Let me go find some books by them." And then their listeners too get to listen to our show and go, "Oh, these guys are funny. Let me find if they've done books as well." So. It, it kind of benefits both parties. So it's it's yeah. been a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed it. That's good. Well, I am um, hoping um, to have a fun, good party when you guys reach that one-year anniversary. Absolutely. Uh, well, before yeah. we hit that mark, we'll have you on the show as well <laughs> so we can torture you with some weird questions. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to being on the question, you know, being the one asking the question. So that would be interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that would definitely be fun. I'm looking forward to that. I've done one crossover with um, Audibly Addicted and that was... At first, it was a little weird, but then I'm like, oh, okay, cool, because you forget that you're doing a, like a podcast episode. It's almost like you're just hanging out with friends and you're just chit-chatting and oh, catching yeah. up. So it's really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, and I have to catch up on your episode because I listened to all of them except for this most recent one. Oh, you know, nice. Life. But I do oh, listen, sure. so... Yeah, no, the, and that's the last one. I'll be, I'll, I'll forewarn anybody that hasn't tuned in yet. We got really giggly, <laughs> and I made a lot of jokes at Tim's expense. So just understand that him and I still love each other. We are still the bestest of friends. He is still my other wife. That's who, how I refer to him. So, mm-hmm. um, I got, I got mean, and I laughed a lot at him, but it's all in good fun. Yeah, which I love. well those friendships are rare you know you don't get to have those friendships that span so many years and then you can turn around and say stuff and they're like but i still love you (laughs) oh for sure yeah no and tim Tim and i have always been like we've only ever gotten in two fights our entire 20 year friendship and both of them well one of them was a joke we were doing it just to see if we could make it really awkward for everybody else in the room and then the other time we were arguing on other people's behalf because they wouldn't argue so even though we weren't mad at each other we were trying to argue their points because they just wouldn't do it so i have never legitimately been in an argument with tim well nice (laughs) and you guys do strike me as the pair to say hey Let's see what the fuck that happens when we start fighting. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And it was the best. It like the the fake fight mm-hmm. and the whole part. Like it was retro, record scratch. The whole party stopped. It was awesome. <laughs> I can only imagine. Because yeah, sounds like fun. I used to have a friend that was like that. Just for you know, when things got awkward, they would start with something like that. I'm like, really? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Those are the best. They're the best kind of friends to have. Yes, they are. Um, so we've reached the part of the podcast where we play a game called Two Truths and a Lie. Nice. Yes. So I did ask you in advance um, because some of the stuff, you know, the idea is for me to try to figure this out or for us, because I really hope the listeners hang out and try to figure out this out as well. So you'll have to tell us three things of which two of them are true 
and one is a lie. And then I had to figure that out. <laughs> nice. So, yes. If you're ready. I am ready. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So uh, while on Warp Tour, I was actually pulled up on stage to sing San Dimas High School Football Rules with the Ataris, which was hands down one of the greatest musical moments of my life. Like it's my favorite Atari song first off. And then second off, it was that fucking Warp Tour. Like you can't ask for a better Warp Tour experience than that. Uh, the second one is the trailer hitch broke on our trailer and actually the tongue fell on my foot, uh, breaking it. So not only did the hitch break, but then my foot broke as well. Uh, three days after that, we had to showcase for a record label down in New York City. So I didn't have medical insurance, so I couldn't get my broken foot fixed. So all I did was like triple up the socks and take out my shoelace because my foot was so swollen, it wouldn't fit in my shoe properly. Uh, and I had to like dance around and jump on stage uh, while we were performing to hopefully get signed by a record label, which we did. So maybe the broken foot was good luck. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And then the last one was uh, on tour. Our van actually broke down on Long Island and we had to ride in the back of a U-Haul truck. Uh, across the GW bridge because they didn't have any other vans that we could rent. And we needed something that was powerful enough that could still tow our trailer behind it. And when you think of a U-Haul truck, you can really fit like three people up front. So we had the five guys in the band, plus our tour manager, plus our merch guy, plus three of our girlfriends were with us. My wife uh, was with us as well. So to go across the bridge, we all had to sit in the back of a U-Haul truck that had no light. So yeah, it was... Uh, it was a good experience. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> and I say, damn it, because the way that you just shared all that is like, fuck, any of them could be true. <laughs> See, and, okay. And here's, here's the thing. So my wife will be the first person to say that I have a master's degree in bullshit. And I will... <laughs> I make it a point, and this is no joke. I make it a point to try to see what I can spin that my wife will believe. Oh, wow. And like, even, even my son has caught on that. I'll tell him something and he'll look at me and go, dad, pinky promise. And he'll hold up his pinky. Cause he knows it's the only way to get me to fold and tell him like, nah, I was just kidding, dude. Uh, like we were watching Muppet babies this morning. And uh, uh, I told him that he had auditioned. We had had him audition for Muppet Babies when he was a kid and that um, we failed the audition because he told that Rolf asked him, what shape is my face? And you said, it's the shape of a butt. And they said that we couldn't have you on the show because that's not appropriate for the Muppets. And he goes, I didn't do that. I go, well, no, dude. Well, you wouldn't remember. You were only like three. And he goes, pinky promise, dad. And like, you just tell, he was like, wait, did I really miss out on being on Muppet Babies? So it's little things like that. Like just trying to see what I can put over on people. So good luck oh, for God. which one is the lie. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> so I want to say the U-Haul is a lie. The U-Haul is the truth. That is oh. true. Um, my wife claims that she still has anxiety from hanging out in the back of a dimly lit U-Haul uh, van because the light only goes on when you stop. When you drive, the light that's in the back turns off. So we literally had to use like cell phones for flashlights. And then after we got over the GW, we actually sandwiched the two, my wife and um, Tim's wife up front with our bass player and the rest of us were playing a game where we would stand while the U-Haul was driving and the last person to fall over would quote unquote win. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so, it's so illegal and so terrible that, and we were stuck on the bridge for like an hour and a half to two hours that finally, when we got over the bridge, they opened up the, the lift gate in the back and just steam came out from all the body heat back there. Like, yeah, oh. it was, uh, 
it was nuts. But we got to continue the tour, so it was nice. Yes, that 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 was the plus. So I'll give um, you one one more guess between either the Taylor Hitch, the, the trailer hitch, or uh, the Ataris. Which one do you think was a lie? Oh gosh. The Atari Warped Tour? Yes, that is a dream of mine, but it did not actually happen. I would have uh, loved to have done that. We've actually, we've played with um, uh, Chris, the the singer for um, the Ataris. He did an acoustic set in Syracuse that we also got to play with him. And then we randomly were on a show with them in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but the last time that Honor Wright was on Warp Tour, the Ataris were on the tour as well. And I made a point to watch them every single day. And in my mind's eye, I kept imagining myself being able to go up on stage and, and perform with them. But alas, it did not happen. But the uh, trailer hitch one, that absolutely was true. And I had a broken foot while we auditioned for a record label. And then after the show, I had to stand outside talking to the owner of the record label, trying not to like weep in pain because my foot hurt so bad. Oh, wow. Yeah, so good times. But good, you got on the second go. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking, okay, so what was his voice tone changed that would have made to help me out as far as which one was a lot? You were really excited about oh, yeah. the warp Tour, and I'm going, that's probably because he wishes it happened. <laughs> so that's how. And you got it. I did, yeah. But that one about the, the you I was like, nah, I mean, the luck. And it's funny too, because I'd asked my wife, I was like, hey, I got to do two truths and a lie. I go, what's what's a good tour story? And she goes, the U-Haul. Like, it just looks at me like the fucking U-Haul. I, like, I was like, ooh, good call, V. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, that's good. See, we learned something new. Figure out a little bit of a tale there for next time. <laughs> right, there you go. So thank you for playing with me. I appreciate that. Of course. Thanks for letting me play. Okay. So before we go, can you tell us what we're current working on or what's coming up next that you can share? Uh, yeah. So I've got a couple books in the pipeline. Uh, um, Bad Habits, uh, which is the first book of a series called Wages of Sin. Uh, and this is a, um, co-written. So this is only James, who I've done multiple books for her. I did the four books that are the Elite Protection Services. Mm -hmm. And then I also did... Um, uh, an earlier book for her, which is not part of the same series, but it was the first time her and I had worked together. It was a book called Disciplinary Action, uh, which all of those are male, male romance uh, books. And I do the entire book by myself. So I'll do one chapter will be a point of view of one character. Another chapter is a point of view of a different character. And typically it's like age gap romance, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is really, really cool. Uh, with the elite protection services, almost all of them involve, because it's basically a... Um, it's like a bodyguard that falls in love with the person they're protecting. So it's really, really cool. It's like a good dynamic. And it was really fun to try to create all these different voices. But this book, Bad Habits, is actually done, uh, co-written by Nev Wilder. And it was my first time working with her. But what's really cool about this book is it one main character is a bounty hunter. And the other one is a black hat hacker. Like you wouldn't, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's very underworld. Like, let's see how this goes. And I loved it. I just recently finished up that book. It'll probably be another month before it comes out, but uh, that's one I would definitely tell people to keep their, um, you know, keep on their radar. 
Uh, I also recently did Pretty Boy, which is another KM Newhold book, uh, which I did with the incorrigible Timothy Page. Uh, <laughs> so it's him and I returning to romance one another on yet another book. Uh, and then some other fun ones I got in the pipeline. Uh, there's a, uh, a, produ a production studio called Naudio Books that they deal exclusively with LGBTQ plus um, storylines. Mm -hmm. And I got to do one which one of the main characters is a serial killer that solves mysteries. And then the other main character is his handler to make sure that he doesn't basically go off the leash. Uh, and that was another male, male romance, which I adore doing that book. Um, I've got a couple books coming out. One is a sports romance, uh, male, female sports romance. Um, I've got, if anybody's a fan of Gossip Girl, I have a two book series that's coming out through Dreamscape uh, that it's very um, entitled individuals in the upper crust of New York City. Uh, and then I earlier mentioned that I have a fantasy love story coming out through Blackstone. Uh, so that'll be some new ones. I, with those other books, I can't give yeah. you guys the names or who I'm working with, uh, but I will tell you that uh, the fantasy love story and then also the uh, New York Upper Crust ones, my co-narrator, because I don't know the one for the sports one yet, uh, but my co-narrators on those ones are top level talent. And I'm incredibly honored to be able to perform on the same book with them. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I know sometimes when we ask what's coming down or what's going up, they're like, oh, I can't share. I'm like, but can you tell me something? Tease me, baby. Tease me. Right? Tell me what's coming. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. To, I was like, can I give the author? Can I give my co-narrator? And I was like, you know what? I'll just give you guys the, the production studio so you mm -hmm. can pay attention to what they have coming out and then just look for my name. I do everything underneath my my normal name right now. I don't use a pseudonym. So all my books you can find, Liam DeCosmo. Well, that's the other thing too. I, I do follow and, and, you know, on social media, some of the productions because they do share information or teasers, which is great. Um, nice. So yeah, I'm all about getting the info. So wherever I can get it. <laughs> Heck yeah. No, that's perfect. And I think it's, I think it's fun because it's kind of the peek behind the curtain. You know? mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, but no, thank you for thinking because I know sometimes people are like, oh, I only listen or read fantasy or I only listen to sports. And so at least knowing that you have some of the stuff coming up is helpful, but also it gets us all like excited because we're like, yay. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. you know, every, a little a little bit of a taste for everybody. You can mm -hmm. find something you'll like. Yes, perfect. Exactly. So we'll keep an eye out and um, I'll make sure to tweet and share when all this stuff comes out so people can find it if they are not following you, which they really should. I mean, right. If they're yeah. not, then what are you, what are you even on social media for? I am yeah. absolutely a dream to follow. I will be <laughs> the, the most entertaining person you'll follow on Twitter. I wish that were true, but I'll make that <laughs> claim and I'll let you guys decide whether or not that's uh, if that was a truth or a lie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, again, like not all the narrators are on social media. So they have, you know, listeners have to rely on either the author or the production company or, you know, individuals like myself with the podcast or just reviewers to figure out what's coming up next. Um, so and sometimes you guys don't share because you don't you can't. So we're like, OK, we'll wait until someone else tells me. Right. <laughs> well, and I would like to say if there are um, other uh, narrators that are listening right now that would like to jump on the love gods at some point, especially people that exist in the romance uh, realm. We would absolutely love to have them on. And even listeners that aren't narrators, uh, if you have a narrator you'd like to hear on the show, uh, send us a recommendation. You know, if you're not comfortable reaching out to them, we'll try to reach out to them and I will badger them until they finally uh, acquiesce to my request. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it, right? <laughs> I love it. That's the that's pretty much the way that I mean that's how I got my wife to say yes to marrying me. <laughs> and having not one but two kids. I mean, you know, you gotta browbeat them somewhere. 
Yeah, right. You've got to get them to the point where they're like, okay, whatever, fine. Um, <laughs> I'll do it. My, my, my wife has said on multiple occasions, whatever will get you to shut up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, see, now I'm like, ooh, who would be fun for you guys to talk to? So now I have my list in my head running to send you guys. Well, I think after the uh, the rap battle, I feel like Tim and I have to have Joe Arden on. So that's uh, oh. that's somebody I'm I'm going to try to... <laughs> We're going to try to get on the show because I think that would be a fun one. Aaron Shedlock's another one, which oh, I think he's, he's already he's already committed to coming on. So that that's awesome. No, he's great. I love him, Aaron. He's I love him and he's great to talk to, too. So Perfect. Yeah. and I've got, like I said, with the books I have coming up on the pipeline, all those co-narrators, you better believe I'm going to be hitting them up going, hey, would you like to jump on this podcast? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, again, it's, it's great, but also sometimes I struggle with scheduling because I also feel bad. I'm like, you guys are busy. Do you want to stop what you're doing? That gives you the paycheck to come talk to me for a little bit. So yeah. at least from my perspective, I always feel like, Oh, okay. Say so yes. And then I get all giddy when you guys do. So thank you for that. No, no problem. And I think with Tim and I, we're at, we have that advantage of if we don't have a guest on him and I will just answer the questions between the two of us. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we have a week that we're like, oh, scheduling just didn't work. We couldn't get somebody on the show. Him and I will fuck around for, you know, 30 to 40 minutes and call it a day. Yeah. See, man, now I might have to get like a, a field day like you guys have just to, when that happens for me. <laughs> Look, you, you, guys, or, you guys solved the problem for me. See, and now who to do? Hmm. You know, oh, you could <laughs> always get somebody that, you know, somebody else that's an avid audiobook listener and just yep. be like, hey, what are you listening to lately? Yes, exactly. Ooh, good. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's and like, it, uh-huh. I was going to say, and it'll be great because they'll go, I only exclusively listen to Liam DeCosmo books because he is my all time favorite narrator. And I will go, I love you. You're my favorite too. <laughs> All right. So if you're out there and you only listen to Liam, hit me up. Um, I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully it's somebody other than my mom, because this is starting to get awkward that she's listening to these books. No, I, I'm kidding. I, I have literally told her, mom, don't listen to these books, please. I, I told her the murder, the murder mystery, the first one I did. And then mm-hmm. the sequel to that one, I go, that's it. Those are the only books you can listen to. I, oh. I told her all green light books for her. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder what would be more awkward, your mom listening to those books or having her friends come to her and say, oh, my God. <laughs> I heard your son. Yes. He's so different than text. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> different than the altar boy we remember from the 90s. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's always fun. I mean, even with my own kid. And, you know, he'll, he'll bust out with something like, who are you talking to now? I mean, he's like, is it one of your narrator friends or is it, why are you doing a graphic design with a half naked guy on it? And I'm like, it's called romance. And Uh, can it be both? (laughs) Yeah. Why why are you judging? Yeah. It's like, go away. Go listen to some of your music. Right. Yes. And then I'll hear, you know, Metallica or Queen and I'm going, okay, good. I'm raising him right. Right. There you go. those little things <laughs> that's the, that that's the the litmus test for whether or not the child has been yeah <laughs> properly raised <laughs> yeah right music choices oh goodness um well thank you so much liam for taking the time to hang out with me today it's been so much fun yeah no i i, I had a blast i look forward to having you on love gods <laughs> and then eventually returning to this show so uh we can we can continue this delightful discussion yes exactly and maybe i'll have you and him to come over so that'd be fun too oh we would do it in a heartbeat you better believe him awesome I absolutely do that oh awesome yeah again that's figure that schedules uh, if you're not following liam on social media make sure that you are doing so when he does finally tweet or say something you know what he's doing <laughs> yep <laughs> 
but you've gotten you're you're good at me. You've gotten a lot better, and just you know, you'll figure it out. Oh, um, well, it's it's hard because I have to run the the Hilt Radio Twitter, yes. yeah. the Love Gods Twitter. I have a one that's specifically for my West Ham United stuff, and then I have the other Twitter account that's spe- specifically for the narration stuff. So. Uh, and then I also have the West Ham podcast one. So I have like five different Twitter accounts. So it just sometimes I I get caught up doing one and then neglecting the other one. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to find time to, to you know, give them all the love and attention they deserve. Yeah. So you're not using a special software to do them all from one pa- dashboard? No. Well, I just use my phone and I just click back and forth from, you know, one account to the other account, depending on what it is that pops into my little brain going, hey, this sounds like something people would want to read and then i'll type it out and then delete it because i'll go no nah, that's stupid i'll think of something better <laughs> what's well, okay yeah i'm, I'm sorry too then i'm like oh shit did i do the right account <laughs> yes <laughs> that's oh, my that's, biggest that's, fear that's the other one because it'll be great if on the disney podcast i'm tweeting about like giant cocks and i'm like oh well that's wonderful <laughs> we just sabotaged that account <laughs> Yeah, new followers not what you were looking for. Yeah, right. They're like, <laughs> yeah, right. They're like, I love Wandavision, and I'm like throbbing meat muscles, and they're like, uh, I don't know about this account. Is this a new episode that I have yet to see? Um- yeah, right. <laughs> wow, this took a very dark turn. I wasn't expecting this from Marvel, but I mean, good on them to really push yeah. the boundaries of what's acceptable. Exactly. You never know. <laughs> Well, if um, I will provide all these links for these podcasts as well as where you can find Liam in the episodes post at Viviana Enchanters of Books. And so until next time, happy listening. A heartfelt thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Jen Franklin, Brittany Cottingham, Leanne Schwartz, Christy Reitz, Mendy Summer, Jesse Stafford, Chrissy Font, Rhonda Pezzarello, Evelyn Clarice, Michelle DaCosta, Emily Dye, Michelle Bestard, Farah Blair, Candace Platel, Carol Liebner, Bethany Crane, Teresa Martin, Jennifer Mirabelli, Kaylee Loring, Victoria Butler, Alyssa Prendergast, Rula Hart, and Carrie Wallace. The Audiobook Love and Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, VivianaEnchantressOfBooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.